0: What is it you wait for, for your life to be different than you imagined? What if all that lingering was in vain? Imagine releasing that burden, and for once stepped into the chalice of your life that was waiting for you to drink from its silvery depths.
1: From the Garrison Institute, this is Climate, Mind, and Behavior. I'm Eleanor Bennett. Each episode will explore groundbreaking intersections between climate change, resilience, contemplative practice, and human behavior.
0: I was a very troubled young man, I had a lot of pain. I was an anarchist, punk rocker, and I happened to be uh, squatting a Buddhist housing association and they just happened to suggest I might do myself some good if I check out the meditation center around the corner. So I, I went there and I, and I turned that lens of attention to my own mind, not just outwardly. And I realized, oh, there's so much suffering internally, not just what's going on outside.
1: Mark Coleman has been a student of mindfulness and Buddhist meditation practices for three decades. Today, he's a senior meditation teacher at Spirit Rock Meditation Center, an executive coach and the founder of the Mindfulness Institute, which brings mindfulness trainings to organizations around the world. Mark is also a poet and the author of Awake in the Wild. He is a nature lover and leads wilderness meditation retreats from Alaska to Peru. Mark lives in Marin County, California and spends his free time hiking, biking, and kayaking. Mark visited the Insight Center in New York to share ideas from his latest book, make peace with your mind. We sat down together to explore his life's journey from a young rebel living on the streets of London to a renowned leader in the mindfulness field and the ways he grounds his practice in the natural world. I've been meditating for about a year and it's been a journey, I think. It started out as something really new and fresh and now I'm finding it hard again.
0: Yeah, well, my practice was also five minutes a day sitting in front of a fire in a cold squat that I was living in in London. And the key that I found then and the key that I find now is I have to remember why I'm doing it. To get up on a cold morning to sit on a cushion, we have to be inspired and motivated. So that's the key to maintaining and deepening a practice is to kind of really get what it is we're doing and why we're doing it.
1: I'm gonna try that. Can you talk a little bit about what the experience of meditation feels like?
0: Well, it's in some ways hard to describe because it's very different. There's a through line to the meditation, which is there's a sense of settling. There's a sense of ease. There's a sense of well-being that starts to permeate. There's a sense of uh, spacious awareness that comes. And there's an access to a quality of, of presence which is both open and calm and spacious. It's a very delicious quality, but it's not always like that. But I have more access to that quality and then can therefore bring that to whatever comes up, whether it's thoughts or emotions or turbulence or anything like that.
1: And so in your book, Awake in the Wild, you talk about cultivating a loving connection with the earth. And you talk about it as a form of environmental activism.
0: Yeah, so I've been taking my practice and meditation into nature for a long time, probably the last 20, 25 years. And there's a phrase that I like very much which says uh, we protect what we love, right? And so if we allow ourselves to fall in love with the earth, which means we actually have to go out into it and be with it and experience it and and let it soak into our bones and, and touch us and move us, and as a consequence of that, we're more likely to care because we, we 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 do protect what we love. And so, the deeper that connection, the more likely we are to be better stewards and advocates and activists who you know are fighting for the the welfare of the earth in different ways. So, but it comes from love, and that's the most I think the sustaining fuel for any kind of activism.
1: I love that because so often. I think of meditation as a very passive experience, but at the same time, it can also be activism.
0: Yeah, it's true. Meditation is an introspective activity in, in the moment. But the point of mindfulness practice is to wake up and to be present for all of life and to engage and be wise and responsive to life. And without that awareness and that clarity of self-awareness, we're not going to have the tools and capacity to respond more effectively.
1: Yeah, that resonates. Um, So in the Climate, Mind, and Behavior program at Garrison, we spend a lot of time exploring our internal emotional lives and the influence that has on our response to climate change. And so I'm wondering if you can talk about how you integrate your clinical psychology practice with your meditative work?
0: So that's a big question because we're talking about three different fields, right? We're talking about the work of psychology and the work of meditation and the work of uh, engaged action. And for me, both therapeutic modes and uh, meditative practices, they're similar in that they're both helping us to understand ourselves and to free ourselves from unnecessary pain, right? And so the more that we resolve our sort of inner challenges and entanglements, the more energy we're freed up to be of service. So you see with some of the great teachers of the world like the Dalai Lama, you know, meditates four or five hours a day, comes from the wellspring of his practice to then be of great service to the world. So that's where I see the connection.
1: And what if you can't meditate that many hours a day? How does that play into it the amount of time and the the privilege of being able to meditate?
0: Well he does get up at three in the morning which most of us can't do and we don't have to be meditating five hours a day to be deepening in our practice. but I think it is healthy for all of us to have some place and some time and some practice where we where we have, quietude and and a a contemplative presence and you know for some we start with five minutes a day and we build on that and we build 10 20 30 minutes we do what we can right so that's the formal meditation is the lab it's where we grow that Muscle of awareness, but we are then we have the rest of our day, right? So how present are we to our body? How present are we are to Each other in conversation. How present am I as I walk down the street? So there's a lot of ways we can cultivate awareness and Mindfulness and kindness and generosity just through everyday living parenting working uh, Making art and all the other things that we might do
1: Thank you, and I want to go back 30 years just for a second how did you come to meditate for the first time and and what do you think brought you to it
0: well I think what brought me is what brings a lot of people which is I was a very troubled a young man I had a lot of pain I was a anarchist punk rocker squatting houses in London at the time of the punk scene in the early 80s and I was really angry and I was Blaming and raging against the machine and uh, governments, and you know, looking for the source, you know, somewhere to dump my anger. And I happened to be uh, squatting a Buddhist housing association, and they just happened to suggest I might do myself some good if I check out the meditation center around the corner. So I I went there, and as soon as I went there, I, was, I realized, oh and i and i turned that lens of attention to my own mind not just outwardly and i realized oh there's so much suffering internally the way that i was you know being harsh on myself so i began to understand that so much of our suffering comes from our internal experience not just what's going on outside
1: that really that is an incredible story <laughs> wow so what you just touched on i think is is a big theme for the climate mind and behavior program and garrison as a whole is this idea that social transformation begins with inner transformation
0: yeah i think we have different entry points i think some people come to the activist door first and then burn out and realize they need some contemplative sustaining practice and others like myself i mean i actually came also through the activist door and then realize, wait a minute, I have to look at my own mind because I am contributing to the problem. If I'm just raging and angry all the time, I'm not actually bringing much world peace. I'm just continuing my own stuff. So I think it's really important that we bring them together. And so we have a contemplative activism you know, where we're both doing our own inner work but not removed from the world. We're actually allowing that practice to deepen our gifts and capacities so that when when we do respond to the world and and the climate crisis that we have more resources and, and wisdom and hopefully some compassion too.
1: Definitely. And on the topic of compassion, in your retreats you talk about connecting with ancient spiritual wisdom through nature. What about nature allows you to tap into that compassion?
0: Well, I think when we go out, and especially the wilder, the better, but it doesn't have to be wild. It could be a park. It could be a tree in your backyard. It could be looking at the night sky from the window of your apartment. Uh, there's something, you know, we grew up for millions of years in the natural world, so no wonder we resonate and feel some sense of connection and home. And there are so many beautiful qualities that come that get sort of evoked in us when we go outside from awe to wonder to relaxation to letting go of self judgment to feeling the, the love and beauty that's in the natural world. And so it allows us to get outside of ourselves. We get so wrapped up in ourselves, in our our computers and in our homes and in our sort of self-created lives. And we go into nature and we come into something bigger and vaster and and more impersonal in a certain way. I mean, for me, that allows my heart to open and to feel a sense of gratitude. And then I let that be the inspiration for my work.
1: That makes sense to me. And I, I think it is important to remember that you don't have to go out to some remote island in a tropical paradise to find that. And is there a particular meditation that helps you cultivate compassion specifically for for the planet?
0: The practice of loving kindness, of metta, uh, is a, is a very foundational practice for cultivating the heart. And I've been doing that practice off and on for 30 years, and I really feel very indebted to that practice for, 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 you know, slowly sowing the seeds of kindness in my own heart and, and self love and, and therefore ability to love others. I think being mindful, cultivating that awareness in oneself, in nature, with others Allows compassion to rise because when we see clearly we see the pain of the world. We see the pain of others We see the pain of the climate crisis, and that's what allows compassion to rise when we look Honestly and deeply at suffering when the heart is open the natural response is to care and to wish to relieve the suffering
1: And are you optimistic about the state of the planet right now?
0: I am neither optimistic nor pessimistic I take refuge in equanimity, and I see both the incredible selfishness and greed that's destroying the planet, and I see the tremendous innovation and creativity and love that's creating a beautiful world. And so that's, I think, always been true. I think we're at a critical point in that conflict. And I do have faith in the resiliency and the goodness of of human uh, nature to respond creatively to what's happening, despite the forces that are working against us.
1: Thank you. So I brought one of your poems with me today. What is to come? And I'm wondering if you could read it aloud.
0: All right. Do you want me to hold it? Save your arm. What is to come? I will sit and wait for a long time, for the sight of the snowy owl hurling through the trees like a spear. I will sit and wait for the dusty red fox with his tail of flames to prance through the snow untouched by the piercing cold. I will sit and wait while Redtail hovers motionless above the crest of the moaning hill, while he waits for perilous movement on land. There are many things in this life worth pausing for, the sun breaking through miserable clouds, the wind assaulting the maddened trees, For the one who has yet to reveal themselves, to step out from the shadows, from the dark, cold places where the soul hovers for protection and safety. What is it you wait for, for your life to be different than you imagined? What if all that lingering was in vain? Imagine releasing that burden and for once stepped into the chalice of your life that was waiting for you to drink from its silvery depths.
1: Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me today.
0: Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure.
1: To learn more about the Garrison Institute's Climate, Mind, and Behavior Program, visit garrisoninstitute.org, where you can also listen to an archived podcast of this show, join our mailing list, and sign up for our monthly email newsletter delivering the latest research and programs from around the world that promote resilience in a changing climate, right to you. Our theme music is composed by Zoe Keating. You can find her music on iTunes or on her website, zoekeating.com.